We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Sean, let's get into the mailbag again. Got a lot of great questions I wanted to get to today. So, Sean, we had timeout Tom started us off early in the show. He said, with the problems from the wide receiver position, is this a chancy Stucky problem or a player problem? It shows it's not a, a good idea that it's not – sorry. It shows that it's not a good idea only uh, to hiring only off of a great interview without the background. So, talking about the resume aspect of it. So, I guess, Sean, let's talk about this a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. the the wide receiver unit has been underwhelming but there's been some flashes I, I i don't think it's fully just the wide receivers right like there's a offensive play calling inconsistency there's a coaching inconsistency there's there's a lot of other factors to why the wide receivers aren't being utilized maybe to the highest degree but i guess should we start out like where are you pointing most of the blame right now? And again, pointing blame is not saying that it won't get better. I'm sure it will get a lot better. But right now, what do you think is the major issue at the wide receiver position? If you think there's any. Um, it's layered. I'll yeah. take Brayden Lindsay for uh, Brayden Lindsay has been open and honest about what he has learned from Chancey Stuckey in a short time. Mm-hmm. And Ryan, you know this, like you can learn a lot of different things. There's nothing like going out and have to apply it in everyday life or during a live football game. Yep. Like we're real defense. Like that's a totally different thing. And it takes time to perfect it even then in the game. I thought Jason Garrett, look, I think personally, I think Braden Lindsay is a better wide receiver today than he's been at any time point in time at Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Just from watching the first two games. He's mm-hmm. a better wide receiver today than he's been, in my opinion. Now, uh, I think Jason Garrett pointed out that Brayden Lindsey successfully was able to get behind the Marshall defensive backs multiple times on yeah. Saturday. That's not a problem. That's his game, speed. Like he Dude, should he, he- 
that 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 post that they were able to, to uh, come on, it was just like a little corner post. Like he kind of shook the guy. Man, he uncovered easy. Like he was yeah. wide open. Yeah. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Before we move any further, mm-hmm. we talk about someone attacking and choosing the right time and the right call. Because yeah. at that point, Coach Huff and Marshall said to themselves, they're going to run the clock out. Let's just go ahead and go to a cover two and just come up and tackle the ball. Drop mm-hmm. our linebackers deep and make sure they don't get any chunk yardage to get into field goal range. That was the mindset. There's no way they thought that they were going to come out and try to throw deep. I didn't think so either, if I'm being honest. <laughs> and that Tommy, look. You got to tip your cap to Tommy. That's a great call. And that, that's a great call. It wasn't executed. And, yes, it was a great move to get open by Braden Lindsey. And, you know, people are like, well, man, it went off his fingertips. He shouldn't have had to leave his feet. Not on that play. Not when the pocket is that clean and the guy is that wide open. Mm-hmm. He shouldn't have to break stride. That's a touchdown. That's a walk-in yeah. touchdown. Notre Dame goes up 14-9 going into the half, Yep. period. So mm-hmm. he's a better player, but I think Jason Garrett said it perfectly. You know how you can be better, but there's still things to work on. I think mm-hmm. his release has gotten better at the line of scrimmage. Yes. But Jason Garrett pointed out, yes, he's getting behind the wide receivers, but he's still going too wide on his release. He needs to go a little bit narrower on his release to the outside so that he can come back and get on top of the guy and stack, give him stack him. Stack yeah. him. Exactly. Yeah. So yep. that's that's a small thing that's vitally important because when you stack a guy, you really give more room for your quarterback to be able to throw the ball, whether it's you know to your left or to your right. And then, you know, pretty much to make a play, the defensive back basically has to run through you. Yeah to be able to make a play on the ball. So then you add pass interference to it. So he's better. He still Mm -hmm. has room to grow. 
and hopefully he gets better. I I look as far as Jaden Thomas, I'm disappointed. I look, he looks like he's playing in mud to me, and I don't know if it's mental. I don't know if it's. Well, he was look, dealing with an he was dealing with an injury during fall, so like maybe there's just some tightness. Maybe, like maybe yeah. it's that. Um, I know on the play where him and Lorenzo ended up in the same spot, yeah. and Lorenzo caught the ball and ended up short of the first down. When they went that to the was so line, weird, man. That spacing yo, was just odd on that play. Yeah, and yeah. he stuck. He was hot. Yes, he was in. It wasn't like he was on both of them. Because it seemed like it was a communication issue mm-hmm. between them both based upon maybe how they were being played. And he was going at both of them. And they were kind of like talking. And I saw Jaden Thomas turn around to Lorenzo and say, my, my bad, man. Like, mm-hmm. that's, that's on me. My right. bad. And so that lets me know that he knew what he did wrong. So, look, these guys are being coached, right? But like you said with the offensive line, the fact that we expect them to come out and and fundamentally be perfect now because they're they're actually being taught certain things, it's a little presumptuous on our part as a fan base. It was. We have to give them time to actually perfect their craft. And uh, as the good book says, let patience have its perfect work, right? Mm-hmm. We're expecting perfection, but we we don't want the patience. So it, one, they're all, they're connected. Like if you want perfection from these wide receivers, we're going to have to be patient as they get better and uh, and under the tutelage of Chancey Stuckey. So yeah, I think they're in a better place than they would have been under the previous coach, but we have to be patient and let them get better. I think this, and I mentioned it a little bit already, Sean. I think I'm just kind of reiterating what you say a little bit. Like, I don't think we're far apart on this one. I think that the wide receiver, from a technical perspective, is better than it was last year. No doubt. Yeah. Do I think it's great yet? No. But again, like, you're breaking a lot of bad habits, right? You're kind of, you're you're teaching new things, right? Like, it does. it's not like an overnight thing. I'll say this, though. The... To time out Tom question, Tom's question, I don't think it's a coaching thing. I think there's a lot of factors to it. I mm-hmm. think the offensive line is not playing well. It's late. So there's yeah. timing issues. Yeah. I think the quarterback position has not been great so far. Timing issues. And I think that there's some inconsistencies in play calling with how we're using guys. Like, I, I do think there is. I mean, again, we talked about it after game one. Lorenzo Styles takes the first play 54 yards for a big gain, and then he gets one target the rest of the game, right? Like, that's yeah. not a that's not a him problem, yeah. in my opinion. That's not a him problem. Brayden Lindsey was getting open plenty during this game, and other receivers were getting open plenty in this yeah. game. There was just, for whatever reason, it was Buckner getting hit as he threw or Buckner sailing a ball or offensive line just not doing uh, – there was just a lot of – there's a lot of – timing issues and in order to have a good passing game timing is paramount so i don't think it's just one thing i think there's a lot of layers to this tom to your say like you said it was a multi-layered thing sean i agree completely it's very multi-layered and we're not asking in the same breath we're not asking the offensive line to be perfect Mm -hmm. just know your assignments like do the basic stuff we're not asking you to dominate right now do the basic stuff Mm-hmm. Right, 
Pick up TE stunts. Communicate. Running backs. Pick up your blitz assignments. Give your quarterback the basic amount of time that a quarterback needs. Yep. To be able to make the throw. That's 100%. all we're asking. We're not asking you just to come out and be the 2017 dominant offensive line that we had to know. No, we're not asking you to do that. We understand. We have young right tackle, young left tackle, and the interior guys may not be as good as we thought mm-hmm. they could be. But guess yeah. what? You're better than what you've shown us. That's the thing. At least be who you are because you're not even reaching that level right now. Like you're better than that. And you've shown that in the practices that we've gone to. So if they can just get to their practice level, Mm -hmm. the offense and the quarterback and the wide receivers are going to look much better because like Ryan said, they're getting open. Yeah. There's it's, Sean, it's it's this thing like I I hate where we have to like point fingers at one people. I'm not saying that's what Time Out Tom is doing. It's just like this, it's simple, right? This is very simple. Someone asked me, man, what happened in South Bend? They played bad. Everyone played bad. I mean, what do you want me to say? Like, yes, there were moments where Buckner played well. There were moments where wide receivers got open. There was a moment where the offensive line did block, but for the most part, yeah. they did not fulfill the requirements of their job. I mean, it was just across the board. No, they didn't play well. They didn't, and it's it's inexcusable. You can't yeah. lose to Marshall. You can't. No. I'm sorry. You cannot lose to Marshall, and it's it, 100%. This is not an excuse at all. It's not. Notre Dame needs, simply needs to play better. They do, and that's not, that's not hard-hitting analysis, right? But at the end of the day, we don't need to just look at this team and say there's one issue. There's a lot of issues right now. The Notre Dame needs to figure it out. Let's not blame one player. It's a lot of different things together. It's not just – if Tyler Buckner plays great in that game, maybe they win, Sean. Sure. But does that mean that he's the only problem in that game? Like, there was a lot of problems, man. How, right. many, how many players on both sides of the ball would you say played well in that game? How many let's, would you say played well? Let's be real. And this yeah. shows just how much more talented Notre Dame is than Marshall. As bad as they played. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame started to out-talent Marshall in the second half. Yeah. They started to out-talent Marshall. And it wasn't until they made a key mistake when they had Marshall on the run. Third and two on the Marshall 38. Two plays to get two yards and extend the drive and go in and go up double digits. And your fifth-year captain, Gets a false start. Yep. It can't happen. Nope. Especially that's when moment. your leaders. Especially not in the moment. Yeah. That's when your leaders have to lead mm-hmm. in those moments. That's when Jack Cohn came through against Florida State in game one last year. That's yep. when Jack Cohn came through in game two against Toledo last year when Notre Dame was on the verge of losing both games. Your leaders have to step up in those moments. Notre Dame's leaders didn't. Right. It's as simple as that. Yeah, I'm talking about with them, and that's with them playing as bad as they played, right? Well, Sean, Sean, it's a great point because this was something I talked about last week after we were feeling a lot better about this team. Which you're like, oh, wow, they played with Ohio State for four quarters. Dope. Awesome. I, For me, I – 
I asked Brian, I said to Brian, just leading up to this game, I want to see where I didn't coin it as a leadership thing, but like, I want to see who, who's the players that bring juice. I'm like, I know Brandon Joseph brings juice, but is there any other player on this team right now that you're like, Oh, that's the guy you can lean on and you can look to, and he's going to give you the juice. Like, is there a guy right now? I don't know if there's a guy right now. I think Tariq Bracey, I saw him woofing a lot. He played yeah. well. And I yeah. saw him talking to the Marshall receivers a he's lot. He's played really well through two games, by the way. He has. I saw Brandon Joseph. Brandon Joseph has the juice. juice. No doubt. No doubt. You know, so there are players that bring the juice, but Brandon Joseph really can't. He is coming in soaking up the culture. He hasn't been there. So you really don't expect him to be the one to get up in front of everybody and lead and say, follow me. Yeah. That has to be Foskey. That has and, to be Alan Lola. That has to be Jared Patterson. It has that's what I'm missing, man. That's what I'm missing. Because like, Michael Mayer's that guy on offense, yes. but he's more of that guy with his actions. I'm talking about a guy that, like, gets guys going, man. Yes. Like, let's get the juice going, right? Yes. It's like, yeah, you can depend on Michael Mayer. He's a beast. There's no doubt. He's the best tight end in college football, in my opinion. You saw it during that game. When you needed a play, Michael Mayer made it, like he always does, right? He brings juice by just being the player that he is. But I'm talking about a guy that you look at and you're just saying, like, that guy is a guy that's going to get in our faces. That guy is going to bring an attitude to this side of the football. And I just don't know if there's that many guys on this team right now, man, where you're like, where you're like, wow, yeah, that guy is going to get in someone's face and and get get people going, right? Like, I just don't, I just don't think it is. Like, right now, there's potential for that. Like, I think. Blake Fisher did not have a good football game in this game, but he's the type of kid that if that fire is lit fully, right. He can be that guy that you're like, Oh, okay. That's a leader, right? Like that's a guy that will lead us. Right. Isaiah Fosk is the guy to your point. Isaiah Fosk needs to play better. Like he does. And he's a light of fire, man. Like it just, it needs to happen. There's no doubt about it. He's way too talented to have one sack through two games where that sack was off of a, off of a rollout where he was unblocked on the backside. Like there needs to be more, man. These guys yeah. need to step up from a leadership perspective. I agree yeah. completely on that. Now you just made a point and this might play into the questions that have been out there. Yep. Maybe the new wide receiver coach refuses to put a freshman out there with bad habits. Mm-hmm. And we would like to see Tobias Merriweather on the field. But you know what? I tip my cap to a positional coach that's going to tell a freshman, you might be talented, but I refuse to let you go out there on the field when you make the same fundamental mistakes. Mm -hmm. We can't have that. I'm not about to allow you to create bad habits when I'm breaking bad habits from these guys. You're my guy. I'm not going to let you go out there like that. When I send you out there, it's because you're ready in every facet of the game, not just because you're talented. And that could be the case. And I applaud them for that. Mm -hmm. I applaud them for that because that takes courage because everybody wants to see the 6'4", fast freshman that can make a difference. You got to earn it, kid. You got to be able to do the simple things. No doubt about it. So we're going to move on. Great question timeout, Tom. You you sparked a good conversation. We spent a lot of time on that question. So we're going to move on to Irish-blooded. The million-dollar question, does this injury do anything towards CJ in reclassifying? So we talked about this a little bit in the beginning, yeah. Sean, but I just want to kind of hit a couple of the finer points. 
that we talked about for anybody that's just hopping in here. Yeah. So Irish blood, we, we basically, I, I basically stated that I think that there's been a con- continued conversation of the staff has been very open to reclassification on their side. CJ Carr and his family, not as much on their side, but this, the outlook of what the, the depth chart could look like moving forward with the uncertainty could spark it. I, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know. Ultimately I, I hope that he doesn't reclassify because I just think that the, you need time to develop, but I wouldn't doubt it, that it, it improves the chances of it happening. So there's nothing imminent with it. We don't know. It's just, it's going to be a talking point continuously because we don't know what Tyler Buckner is still. We don't know. And you have some uncertainty whether is Drew how long is Drew Pine going to be here? How good is Steve Angeli? You don't have a 2023 quarterback right now. Like there's all those questions together that yeah. I think it could spark maybe more interest in doing it if you're CJ Carr, but we, we just don't know right now. Just don't know. Yeah. And I think I can package this with what someone said in the chat. It's like, you know, to rush him would be from the mistakes of the past Mm -hmm. and putting him in a bad situation, expecting him to be a savior. Instead of building the program to a point that when he steps in, he steps in where we're better equipped to help him be the best quarterback that he can be. Right. And once again, like, you know, people in the chat are like, we don't have the luxury to wait. Yes, you do. Because if you thought this was all about this year, then you were sadly mistaken. I think most people around the program expected a national championship to be possible in a couple of years, not this year. If we were honestly assessing the team. Yeah. No one thought national championship this year. We thought they could make a run and possibly get to the playoff, but no one was sitting up here beating national championship this year. You know, the players said that, but they're supposed to say that. Mm -hmm. They're supposed Mm -hmm. to have that belief. Yeah. But we're talking about an honest assessment. And the honest assessment is when he gets two recruiting classes under his belt, this team could be special, especially if he gets a quarterback. So if you're Chancey Stuckey as a coach, you don't sacrifice a young man's development just to put him out there. You just don't. You're not doing him any favors. Why are you expect Tobias Merriweather shouldn't be in the position to be the savior of the wide receiver group. He shouldn't. Braden Lindsay has done enough to have much better stats in the first two games, right? Yep. He should have about three to four touchdowns and some yardage. He's done enough. Lorenzo Styles Jr. has played well, and he still should have better stats. If the offensive line had done their job in the first two games, things would have been different from a passing game standpoint. If the quarterback has simply hit the opportunities he's had for big plays in the first two games, things would be different. But they haven't. Mm-hmm. They haven't. C.J. Carr shouldn't have to suffer. Because of those things, he should be able to finish his career and come here when his t- it's time for him to be in Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. And we shouldn't have to rush Tobias Merriweather to cover up for people that are just not getting the job done. It's not a wide, as Ryan said, it's not a wide receiver problem. It's an offensive line problem. It's a quarterback problem. 
It's a coordinator problem. Everybody is culpable. And the fact that we expect the wide receivers you spoke about, the wide receivers at Alabama were awful Saturday. Yeah, they weren't good. Nobody's expecting a freshman to come in week two and week three and be the savior of that group. They just had a national championship wide receiver transferring to the program from Georgia. Yep. They're not putting a weight on that freshman. They're like, yo, get it right. And that's the same thing this coaching staff, I bet, on yesterday when they practiced and the rest of this week, they're telling the wide receivers, the offensive line, and the quarterbacks and everybody in that group, get it right. Get it right. Because we're setting a standard of doing it right. Yeah. Right? So if Tobias goes out there and he's making fundamental issues and he runs the wrong route and Drew Pine throws an interception off him running the wrong route, but we've been begging for him to be out there, then what are you going to say as a fan base? Well, if he's not ready, don't put him out there. You can't do, You can't win or lose. You can't win for losing as a coach, man. You can't. You can't. Yeah, it, it's a fine line, man. It's a like, fine line, man. If, if a freshman's ready to play, I'm all for it. I, I know we think that Tobias can play, but, I mean, to your point, Sean, you don't know until you know, right? I mean, like, you don't know what it would look like. I, I, it's just, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I then they say Tate Floyd played as freshman. Are you really comparing Tobias Merriweather to Michael Floyd? Like, yeah. do you understand the physical specimen of Michael and, Floyd was? And, Golden Tate didn't play much, didn't he? He had a, he had a modest year. And who, year, who was he? Michael Floyd's quarterback? Yeah. <laughs> Think about yeah. that. Yeah. Come on, yeah. man. Let's, like, relax. Relax. Yeah. It's been two games. Yeah. Yeah, and Golden, Tate had, six, Golden yeah. Tate had six catches as a freshman, so it's not like he – was like a world beater as a freshman, but I, I get it, man. It's frustration, Sean. I mean, at the end of the day, I, I get that. Trust me, I get it. I get it. I, I'm just not, just not here to go full panic mode. I, I get it, though. I get it. Jay Henry, I know Jay. I think you put one similar in the chat earlier. Want to make sure I got to it, so you know we weren't ignoring you. Any updates on Kenny Minchie or what? Or was this answered? Uh, Jay was not answered. Sean, I guess we'll go through a couple. I guess we'll go through a couple of the names. So 2023, if there is not a reclassification, the two names that have been most prominently out there has been Kenny Minchie, who's out of the state of Tennessee, talented quarterback in the 2023 class, as well as Mr. Avery Johnson, who is currently committed to Kansas State. Kenny is uh, is also committed to the University of Pittsburgh. So, Jay, those are the two names that have continued to be floated out there. I'm going to wait and see. I'm going to wait and see if they're able to get either one of them on campus. I don't think it's necessarily, like, done on the Kenny Mitchie side of things. I just think that it's going to take a lot to get him to decommit, if I'm being honest right now. I think Avery Johnson's more likely, but I think both players, you have a lot of work to do, obviously, with how everything has kind of transpired. So, not a huge update on Kenny Mitchie. I think they're going to continue to, you know, Going to continue to recruit him. It's just about hey, can we get on campus and what is the general in- interest? So that's what we're going to see. Jay Henry also put in Sean one for you. Sean, any word on Justin Scott? Of course, talented 2024 defensive lineman. Saw someone tag me in a uh, a little uh, highlight of him this past week. Sean, he looks up. Uh, looks pretty good, man. Looks pretty yeah, good. See, talk about <laughs> a kid taking over the fourth quarter of a big time game. 
That's what Justin Scott did late for St. Ignatius and the Wolf Pack. So mm-hmm. I think I've said this before. Like Justin Scott is not a – I think I said this in one of our shows in response to someone. He's not an SEC kid. He's just not an SEC kid. He's getting offers from everybody now. I think he had five offers last week um, that he posted on his uh, social media account. And, yeah, Wisconsin, Michigan, Notre Dame. That's it. it. Yep. Wisconsin, Mm -hmm. Michigan, Notre Dame. Would be nice to beat Michigan for him. Would be nice. Notre Dame has to, uh, once again, once again, Notre Dame could flat out tell Justin Scott, we don't, we we have not had a 300 pounder in the middle of our defense. A few years, man. In a while, mm-hmm. you're that guy. If you want to make an impact right off the bat, here you go. Yeah. Notre Dame, there's no better place than Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. You know, great relationship. He loves the school. It was the offer he was waiting for before he even got the offer. Yep. Now it's all about the staff and whether or not they can close the deal. And as much as we want to blame Al Washington for Isaiah Foskey not playing well, when you get Brandon Davis Swain, Devin Houston, and you have Justin Scott on the hook and have great relationships with them, I know he can recruit. We can question whether or not he can coach the position, but I know for sure that he can recruit the position. So, Hopefully they can close. I I agree, man. He's uh Notre Dame needs more like J- Justin Scott. So yeah. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. So I want to pull this up in in for in the spirit of positivity. Savage saying fitness said, "Hey, at least at the end of the day, we aren't Nebraska." And I I Ooh. agree, sir. I agree. We didn't even talk about that. Scott Frost getting fired, oh, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, saw I, I agree. Put up with someone listed the top five. Uh, guys to replace Scott Frost. And I think I laughed at the entire top five because number one was Deion Sanders. And I laughed. I was like, yeah, imagine Deion Sanders wanting to go to Nebraska. Like, yeah. 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 I don't, I don't think so. (laughs) Doesn't, doesn't seem like Deion C, man. I don't know. It doesn't seem great. (laughs) No, Nebraska is not it for the, no, there's no way he's taking a coaching job at Nebraska. Yeah, yeah. Nope, nope, not great. Uh, so I wanted to answer this one. 99 problems with BK1. Didn't Washington coach D-line well at Boston College? He did. He absolutely did. They had Harold Landry back in the day, and I know there's been a lot of chatter about uh, Al Washington need, need, needing to do better as a defensive line coach, and I will say this. I think you're right, okay? And defense line needs to play better. But I all I'm saying is, is that Al Washington has had good moments as a defensive line coach in the past. So let's – Again, it was probably unfair of me, yeah. and I'm just speaking from my own sense because so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna represent IB Nation, but it was probably unfair of me to have so much expectations for a brand new staff to come in and just change things like that. It's probably unfair of me. So because I'll the t- process I'll, I'll, is really the process from them, Ryan, was really mm-hmm. to tear down. Yeah, first, like we were yeah. thinking, like they were just going to stack on what was already established. Right, like their initial job was to tear down. I, I, th- I think the thing is too, Sean. Like 
what what the previous staff was built upon is different than what the new staff is trying to build, right? Yeah. It's it's because yeah. I, I agree in a vacuum, it's like okay, Brian Kelly got you to a point where like you're winning double digit games every year, and that's the standard, right? Like you have to yeah. win double digit and you have to compete for an, a, a playoff spot. Cool. Yeah. I think though, for me, it's like I think for me, it's it's like, but that 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 the foundation that was built is not maybe how Marcus Freeman wants to build the house. And I'm not excusing Marcus Freeman from losing at the end of the day, you can't be 0 two right now. And you can't have lost to Marshall. Like that's the end all be all right. What I'm saying is that maybe it's more of a process than we originally anticipated is all I'm saying here. That's all I'm saying. Uh, I know. So we just talked about our um, Archer said Washington's linebackers played horribly at Ohio state the past two years, and they've been far and away the most improved unit through two games this year. Archer, I'm, I'm not going to push back on that as much. All I'll say is that I remember Pete Warner playing really well under Al Washington. And I remember eventually Baron Browning figuring it out and playing that Sam backer or whatever you guys call that overhang position pretty well. So I, I I just I pushed back that it was all terrible before I, when Al Washington was the linebacker coach at Ohio State last year was bad, but I mean also I know you, I know your your point earlier was Tommy Eichenberg's been a lot better and Steel Chambers has been a lot better sure but like there's also a natural maturation that happens right like those guys get older and Steel Chambers is actually playing linebacker full time now so like I don't know I just I I, I don't I don't buy a hundred percent into that but either way we'll see. Right, like Al Washington needs to coach better. Defense line needs to play better. So I'm not excusing anything. Like it, it needs to be better. There's no doubt and about it. My pushback is, I'm still not sold. Mm-hmm. I want to see. Let me see Eichenberg against a really good offensive line like Michigan. Like right. you, you. I saw what he did against Notre Dame, and I saw what he did against a, a, a inferior team this weekend. No, no. Let me see him against Penn State, Wisconsin, and Michigan. Like mm-hmm. let let me see him in those games, right? And then we'll see if he's really taking a step forward, and he's really totally different. And, small and, sample size, yeah. And, well, and, and yeah. the small the small sample size goes the other way too, Sean, because yeah. like people are, people are passing judge complete judgment over Marcus Freeman and everyone, right? And all the new coaches. Can we give him more than two games? Like, can I give him kind of a little bit of time? I, I'm just not ready to get there yet. I'm I'm not I'm not ready to get there yet. But we will see. We will see. Thank you, though, for the question. Appreciate it. And Archer, thank you for the little uh, tidbit there. It was It's a good talking point. It is. All right, so Timeout Tom said, I heard where people have questioning whether Harry Heaston time has passed. My feeling is his problem is one of judgment. The judgment on who are the best five offensive linemen. Do you agree, Sean? Do you agree with that? That his judgment of who the best five is the problem, maybe not Harry actually as a coach. No. Okay. You know why? Why? Your best offensive linemen are the ones making the mistakes. So what are you saying? Mm -hmm. Your best offensive linemen are the ones making the key mistakes. Like if you missed the film work that was shown last night that showed you why the running game is not working, it's not because of the play calls. They can't simply execute a counterplay with a really good right tackle and a four-year, a four, a four-year senior, five-year senior at right guard. 
Mm-hmm. And you want to put that on Harry Heastan? I, th- I think he's a six-year senior, but yeah, six-year your point's still valid. Yeah, <laughs> you, want, valid. you want to put that on Harry Heastan? No. At some point, when the players leave the sideline and they've been coached all week, when you get this look, this is what we're doing, and you still make the same mistake. Now, I'll agree. At that point, just like in parenting, Ryan, you have an infant right now. You'll, you'll, you'll experience this down the line. After years of telling someone the same thing and you get the same outcome, okay, now as a parent, I got to try something different to get their attention. So now how Harry responds moving forward, that's going to be something that I'm watching. All right. If we see, okay, you don't six years and you don't want to change, to be a true freshman, I'll go ahead and develop you, right? You might not be as strong, but I know I got you at the very beginning and you're all mine. I know the mistakes you won't make. So that's, that's the thing to watch. Not the five he put out there, what he does if the five that he put out there continues to make the same mistakes, that's going to determine the success of Harry. He stand with this group, right? Because I'll give Jeff Quinn credit. What did he do after the first, what was it? The first four games. Mm-hmm. He said, you know what? All right. Joe Alt, Andrew Kostafi, come on. I'm putting you two guys on the left and the offensive line play got better. So it wasn't so much how they started. It was the the way that Jeff Quinn responded. And look, as much as he coached, Kane Madden just wasn't good at right guard, man. Like you can't coach that up. He just wasn't good. And you have that at times. You can coach and coach and coach. And sometimes you just have to come. You just came to that conclusion about the guard from Alabama. Did you not, Ryan? Mm-hmm. Like, they can coach him up, but he's just not a good player. Like, he, okay, yeah. he's just not good. And you have to choose to either move on or find a way to deal with it. Mm-hmm. But it's hard when your best players are the ones making mistakes. That's that's hard as a coach. Yeah. Like, where do you go from there? Yeah, I think that's my biggest frustration, honestly. Not my biggest, but I mean, my the biggest frustration for me as a, just a fan is that they're 0-2 right now, right? Like, that's the biggest frustration. But the frustration for me, Sean, is that there are several veteran players that I was expecting to have this baseline of yeah. just good play that mm-hmm. has not come to fruition. It's not yeah. even so much like the younger guys that you're like, okay, they're not playing up to standard. Like that's been there too, of course. Yeah. But it's just some guys that you thought were kind of known commodities have yeah. not been what you thought they would be, right? Like there's just a you're missing a baseline on this team. You're missing a foundation. Yeah. And I think you're missing an identity right now too, which is my biggest worry. Is that there's yeah. not an identity right now. But yeah. interesting question here from Irish AJ that I want to do, Sean. He's asking Ryan Sean, Patterson needs to be at center, correct? Alt, Christophic, Patterson, Lug, or Rocco Fisher. Look, I, Irish AJ for me, and then I'll let Sean finish up on it. This is a continuous evaluation process from now on, right? You're 0-2. It has not worked on the offensive line. 
I am evaluating each one of the offensive linemen every single week and figuring out what the best five is. So if that's Patterson at center, that's Patterson at center. It is. If he's, if that's the way it works, I do not care who it ends up being. The only thing I care about is that Notre Dame has to continue to evaluate it. If they just sit there and say, Nope, we're not evaluating. We're just going to keep throwing out the same thing and hope that it eventually works. That is a flaw, and then I will question Kerry Heastan and the coaching staff in that instance. Yeah. But if they are doing their best to figure out what the best five is, that's what I am asking for right now. Competition at, uh, up front and finding the best five. So evaluation every single day. If Again, if that is Patterson at center, so be it. I'll be happy with it. I just need – I need Notre Dame to figure out their identity, and I don't think they have one right now. Just don't think they have one. I had a problem when the conversation about moving Jared Patterson started in the spring. I had a problem with it in the fall. It's like the captain, the guy that calls the line, makes the line decisions, which direction we're going in, just leave him alone. Leave, like, for me, leave him alone. Like, yo, leave him alone and let him be a first-round center and you figure the other stuff out. Because mm-hmm. because his value, in my opinion, at that spot is vitally important. Yeah. Vitally important. I would much rather Zeke Carell attempt to play guard. Oh, <laughs> like, I, I don't, I'm not sure I want to see that again. But no, that's, <laughs> I know. I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm just kidding. saying. I would instead of moving Patterson to guard, let him learn how to play guard. Like leave him alone. Like uh-huh. if he's your future center, let him be your future center behind Jared Patterson. Yeah, and then let him learn two positions. Yeah, and then figure out the guard situation. It's like I I wanted to bring this up real quick, Sean, because Tom Ferrelli said Ryan, that's all well and good, but I don't have confidence in the entire coaching staff. With talent evaluation, Tom. I mean, again, like there's there's unproven commodities on the coaching staff. So, like, I understand your, what what you're saying here, but I was talking about the offensive line, and again, it's not good right now. But Harry Heeson has built some pretty dang good offensive lines, man. Like, am I worried about that Harry Heeson can't identify talent and develop it? Like, I'm not. I'm still not. I understand it's not good right now, but I still think that I trust Harry Heeson as the great coach that he is to evaluate and eventually find the best five. I do. I do. So, but for the rest of the staff, I get it because there's coaches that you haven't seen it from yet. I understand that, but you've seen it from Coach Eastan, right? So, like, I'm going to give him a little bit of benefit. Is he talking about talent evaluation? I, 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 I was mentioning, I was mentioning evaluating on a day to day basis. So I'm assuming okay. in practice okay. and that's okay. That's, yeah. that's why I wanted to know, like from a recruiting standpoint or just like the current roster and day to day basis, whether it is. And it, again, I was talking about, I, I was talking about just the offensive line, obviously. And again, mm-hmm. I, I'm just stating that, like, I understand everyone's, you know, Oh, it's past hair. He's stand by. Like I read on the board and I was just like literally shaking my head. Like I just look, Terry Heastan has built some of the best offensive lines we have ever seen at Notre Dame, like ever there. I mean, what was, was it the 2015 line, right? That literally has, I mean, if that was a starting offensive line in the NFL right now, it'd be one of maybe the best in the NFL. Like it would be. So Harry Heastan has developed a relationship where he gets, he gets the benefit of the doubt for me. Is it good right now? No, it's not. But do I have confidence that Harry Heastan will fix it? Yeah, I do. I do. Cause he's proven it to me, right? Like he's developed guys like Ronnie Stanley and, 
and Quentin Nelson and Mike McGlinchey, and he's done that, right? So I, I'm not worried about Coach Heath's fans. If, if, but if, if, again, Tom, if your whole statement is about an over-encompassing the whole staff, then I get that. We haven't seen the staff, uh, most of the staff before. So, sure, I get that. I, I, I accept that. All right, Sean, let's go to – we had a Super Chats. Sorry, TJ, I should have gotten this one up a little quicker. My apologies, buddy. Do you think we need another true tackle in the 2023 class? I think that Notre Dame is good right now with the potential of Charles Jagasaw and Sullivan Absher being tackles at the next level. So they are not pushing for any other offensive linemen. The five-man class that Notre Dame has is the five-man class that Notre Dame is going to have. So do I think that 2024 should be more offensive tackle driven because there's going to be less spots? Yes, 100% I do. I do. But I think that Notre Dame feels good about where their offensive line class is in 2023. So I would have loved them to have Monroe Freeling in this class. I would have loved it to push to six and have another true offensive tackle. But I think Notre Dame feels fine with where they are. But for 2024, TJ, absolutely. For 2024, I need Notre Dame, in my opinion, to really go after those offensive tackle types, the true ones. Because, again, Blake Fisher and Joe Alt, we don't know exactly how long they're going to be here. We'll see, though. We'll see. I will say this. Yeah. Uh-huh. I this is my personal opinion, and I might be stepping out on a ledge by myself. If he can hold the weight, I think they have a star at left tackle in the wings in Emil Wagner. A I don't athletic, know. athletic star. Yeah, very talented kid. And that's just if he can gain the weight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But without the weight. I watched him personally slam starters in practice without the weight. That's just how naturally strong he is with his punch in his hands. He's a potential star. Yep. I mean, that's that's the only question I have, Sean, is how, you know, how much weight can he hold? If yeah. I mean, if he can hold weight, man – He's where got, does he need to get to, Ryan? The 295? Are you comfortable yeah, with it? Yeah, I mean, as close, to, as close to 300 as we can possibly get. Like, I don't need yeah. him to be 315, but, like, yeah. I need him to be, like, 290-plus. I do. Yeah. I do. Because yeah. the feet are great. The length is great. The one thing that takes you off guard with him, Sean, is that, like, his his strike, his hand strength is silly, man. Like, really? it's crazy. It's really? crazy. So, he might have the longest arms in the offensive line room right now. Yeah. yeah, he just might. his arms are ridiculously long. Man, yeah, uh, man, they are. He's like one of those guys that probably doesn't bench much because he has such long arms, but like he is just so powerful, man. So I, I look forward to seeing him developed. I do because yeah. he's a really talented player. Want to go now? And thank you again, TJ, for the super chat. My apologies for not getting that one up a little sooner. Notre Dame, 2164. I personally wonder sometimes if these offensive linemen and receivers have so many bad habits ingrained in them for years that it can be fixed without going through a dreadful season while being worked out. I talked about that a little bit, right? Like, look, bad habits are tough to break sometimes. Sometimes you have to completely deprogram players. Like you do, man. Like I've, Sean, like I've taken over just on high school teams where like the previous staff, I'm just like, I don't know what they taught you. Right. And even like track and field, like I was a thrower's coach in track and field. And there were some kids where I'm just like these, the, the, like, I like for shot put, for instance, right. Like there would be 
these these guys would teach them how to do like a shuffle. And I'm like, a shuffle's stupid. Like we're either going to glide or we're going to spin. We're not going to do a shuffle. And it's just like, you have to completely deprogram them down to the core. So again, it's not an excuse. Whether you have to completely deprogram or not, you have to beat Marshall. You have to. But the point is though, that I think there is some validation, validity, I should say, to the fact that like, maybe you had to tear it down to the ground before you build it back up. I'm hoping that's what it is, honestly. Because if it's not that, then Notre Dame's in trouble. <laughs> but if it is yeah. just the fact that, like, hey, you probably had further further to go than you originally anticipated, I can accept that. But I'm I'm obviously not happy about it, though. No, I don't think anybody's happy about where things are. And I don't think it's going to be a dreadful season, mm-hmm. right? I think the season to start 7-5, and five, I think, Brian Kelly's first season, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. But the Utah win at the end of the season and the USC win gave you the best feeling in the world as a Notre Dame fan. And it was far, it was looked upon totally different. Like no one considered it a dreadful season, you know? So tough, but yo, (laughs) no one, isn't it funny? If they run the table in November, no one will. We'll even be talking about this September. No. And right now, I'm sure people are like, there's no way they can beat Clemson and USC. All right, no. you have to play the game. There's not. There's that's, no that's hope right you, now. There's that's not. why you line up and play the games. And it's fair skepticism, though. It's fair that yeah. they feel that way right now. Absolutely. I mean, they're playing bad football. It's fair. Yeah. It's fair. I don't think. I don't think Clemson's playing very good football, but like they're winnings games still. Right. So like, you can't yeah. feel good about Notre Dame beating Clemson right now. You can't, yeah. you can't, we'll see. We'll see what the team looks like when you get there. But yeah, I mean, it's right now it's, it's, there's a lot of uncertainty. So yeah. you got to see what happens. Salty Virginia peanuts, who I actually met at the tailgate. He, Sean, he gave me a, he gave me a, a thing, a container of salted Virginia peanuts, which was pretty hysterical. Oh, yeah. Ryan, he says, can Patterson jeopardize his first round draft potential if he plays as he has been this year, one game so far, or do NFL scouts rate you just at your peak? That's a great question. So, so typically what happens with scouts is scouts will take three to four games of the, of the latest season and they will choose the four best opponents that a team has played. Right? So there's a very big possibility that, a scout may not even watch the Marshall game, right? So there can be some jockeying as far as your best games and the best moments type of thing. I will say this, nobody on Notre Dame's team as a 2023 NFL draft prospect has done well for themselves so far, if I'm being honest. They haven't. Isaiah Foskey, I think, was a potential 10 to 15 draft, top 10 to 15 draft pick. It's not played well. He's not going top 10, 15 right now. Jared Parrish is not going in the first round right now. Like no chance, no dice. We'll see how, what happens at the end of the season. But to your question, uh, Salty, it is four, three to four games of the previous season, best opponents. So Jared Patterson has a lot of time to change the narrative, but right now he's absolutely not going in the first round. There's no doubt about it. Right. And he's also dealing with like, he's had some durability issues and he's missed some football games and, that type of thing. So right now, Jared Patterson is not going to go in the first rounds if the season ended today, but he has time to change that. If he goes out against Clemson, has a great football game. If he goes out against BYU, has a great football game. If he goes out against USC and has a great football game, he can yeah. change the narrative right now. But right now, far from a first-round pick. Not going to happen right now. And according to reports, 
he's pissed off. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. Go I will be pissed off. Yep. Go do it. <laughs> Go do it. Man, yes. I, I need to see it, man. I need to yeah. see it. Like I Jared Patterson, I think Jared Patterson is an incredibly talented player. Yeah. I think Isaiah Foskey is a silly talented player. I think Jason Amalola is, is is a talented football player. I think Cam Hart is a really talented football player. Haven't seen it, Sean. I just haven't seen it enough. I just haven't no. seen it during the during first couple of games. Need to see it more. And right now we haven't seen it. So we'll see. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You might not like this, but you had a little uh, right there. You sounded like a uh, oh, oh what's no. his name? Don't say Mel Kiper, or I'm gonna get upset. You had a little, you had a little. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get upset, man. For a second, I was like, wait a minute. There's a little Mel Kiper to him. Oh, this no. Don't say that, man. Don't say, I've gotten that in this chat before. I do not sound anything like Mel Kiper. Okay, I have way better hair, way better looking, sound smarter. Everything's better than Mel Kiper. Don't put don't put that evil on me, sir. Don't put that evil. <laughs> but gonna move on. Kyle Wade says that Lions kit is sick. Of course, talking about Trayshawn Lions 2023 wide receiver out of Tennyson. Gotta get him. Agree, Kyle. Notre Dame wants him. Gotta get him. Very talented football player. We had someone here, Sean. I want you to react to this one. Mike Silva says, Does Brian have a year of eligibility left? I'm sure he could read the defense better than what we sit what we saw on Saturday. <laughs> Which side of the ball? I mean, because he played both sides of the ball, so. Yeah. Look, hey, it's tough, man. It's tough. We'll get through this, guys. We'll get through this. Better days are ahead. I promise you. I promise you. Better days are definitely ahead. Better days are ahead. Yes, definitely. (laughs) The where we are right now. Yes, agree completely. We had, we are not Marshall. (laughs) Say rough couple of days to be a Notre Dame fan. Maybe talking about what is coming in the pipeline will cheer me up. Well, we are Mar- not Marshall. I should have pulled this up earlier in the show, but I do hope that it got you a little more optimistic about the future. I, I hope, I hope I d- did my best. Me and Sean did our best today. Sean and I did our best today. I should learn how to speak. So yes, but I, I hope that it did uh, change the outlook on the future. We had Stephen F asked Sean, What's up with Tobias? I, I, I don't know. I, don't I mean, know. We, we don't know. Look, like point blank to it. We don't know if it's just continually acclimated to the, to the, to the offense. We don't know if it's a lack of, of coaching staff trusting him. Like, I don't know what it is. All right. I don't know what it is. I hope I need to see Tobias Merriweather at a large dose at some point during the season for every reason it just hasn't happened. We don't know. Steven, if we're being completely honest, like we're not in the minds of Tommy Reese. We're not in the minds of Marcus Freeman. Like, I don't know. I don't know why we haven't seen him, but hopefully we will at some point. All right. So we had Irish blooded. Could what Tommy Reese and company saw in offseason training be a reason they were leaning on CJ to reclassify because they didn't see the growth on the current options they wanted. Dispel this real quick, Sean. All I'll say is 
is that from every report that we have got in the offseason, the coaches were very happy with the progression of Tyler Buckner. Very happy. So, no, I don't think it was that's the reason why. I think it's the reason of that you didn't have a 2023 quarterback. And Tommy Reese is a big fan of CJ Carr. Like, that's 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 where it comes down to. I don't think it was because they didn't have faith in Tyler Buckner. Yeah. And I think the conversation and the thought process, as Ryan has mentioned, is really coming from the Notre Dame side rather than the CJ Carr and his family side as far as reclassification. Uh, the situations, whether they want to deny it or not, were tied in together with C.J. Carr and Dante Moore. And I think as the Dante Moore situation started to change, I think they recognized that they were going to have a void at quarterback in 23. Mm-hmm. So knowing that they were about to get C.J. Carr, the conversation began about reclassification being a possibility. And, and that's that. That it, it's a conversation. Um, reclassifying to Notre Dame is probably different than ninety five percent of the schools in the nation. Yes, I'll yeah. leave it that. It's it's a process. It's a process, and it would be um, pressure put on CJ Carr that I'm sure his parents don't feel like they want to put his put their young son in that position right. at this point in time just to be – and he's a smart kid. I'm sure he would be able to do it. That's oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. I think his parents are looking out for him and what's I, best for him, and that's what they should do. 100%. And they should not have to sacrifice their child for what Notre Dame wasn't able to accomplish in the 23 class. That's not their problem. Yep. <laughs> it's not. Their their task is to be the best parents to CJ Carr, and that's what they're going to do. So, you know, it's really just a conversation. I really because I don't want to blow it up any other than that's what it is. It's a conversation Mm -hmm. at this point, and that's what it was at the time. Yeah, and until we find any find out that something else has been done or said, Mm -hmm. we'll leave it at that. Yep, that's it, man. That's it. We had Gideon Rosa ask, is it too late to look in the portal? Yes, Gideon, it's too late for this season to look in the portal. Obviously, the uh, semester is going on right now, so you have to be enrolled in school. So, yes, it there is might, too late. There might be some options next after year. After the season, yeah. After, after the season. season right. Absolutely. We'll see. That's, we'll see. You know, to expand upon that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a question that you should probably ask in the off season, Gideon. But, yes, for this season, it is way too late. It's way too late, but. Appreciate the question as always, sir. Wait, another super chat from TJ, TJ Fallon. TJ, thank you again. Sean Ryan, would you be okay with Notre Dame win over Cal if it was like 10-7 final score and we looked not so great? TJ, that's such a tough question for – well, it's not a tough question. Look, I need to see a win, right? Like I need to see a win (laughs) at the baseline. But no, would I be happy or would I be okay? No, I wouldn't be okay either. I wouldn't because like, look – Notre Dame could possibly beat Cal this week just off of talent. Like they're they're much more talented than Cal, and we'll get into that the course of this week. But I do need to see a win at the core. Like I need to see a victory. But I wouldn't be okay with it. I would be it would be like content. Like wow, oh, man, we finally got in the win column. That's cool. But like if you didn't play well, you're still not you're just you're still not urging yourself that you're going in the right direction, right? Like if we're not going in the right direction, does it really matter long term? You know, like does it really matter? So. 
it would be a bittersweet feeling because I always want to win, but I need it to be a lot more impressive than a 10 to seven nondescript victory. Let, let me ask you a question, Ryan. I watched NFL football yesterday mm-hmm. and I said to myself, yo, and I watched some college football. Is Notre Dame along the offensive line, like the, one of the least communicative offensive lines you've seen? Like, I, I don't really don't see any, you know, usually you'll see pointing by the guys on the offensive line and communicating, especially at home. Maybe you're not able to do it on a road, raucous crowd like Ohio State, but at least at home. And it's like, man, you just, you don't see it, you know? And I'm like, man, you know, is that something that needs to be improved or is that just something I'm like, okay, that really doesn't matter. Like, know your assignment, know the call, do your job. Yeah. Sean, I think my biggest thing is that I think there's a lack of communication on this team in general. I was talking mm. to, to, to Brian about this earlier. Defense, I thought there was so much miscommunication on the defensive side of the football. And there's a lack of communication, I think, just from a team, from a offensive and defensive perspective. So, yeah, it's um, there's definitely a lack of communication, man. I don't know. I don't know what the issue there is, though, because that could be a that could be a player issue. That could be a coaching issue. It could be a mixture. Like, I, I don't know what the issue is, but like, I agree with you. I, I think there's a lack of communication on the offensive line. I think there's a lack of communication just on this team in general. Like, Sean, there was one play where I, I texted Brian during the game. They were on defense. And I know you asked about the offensive line, but like, I'm going to give this one an example. On defense, yeah. Howard Cross was lined up in the A gap, and then he slanted outside to the B gap. So he becomes a B gap player, right? But they still had the linebacker who was also a B gap player. So they had two players in the same oh, gap yeah. and yeah. no one in the A gap. Right. And I'm just like, that is just gap on sound. I don't understand yeah. what the there has to be miscommunication there. Because usually it would be like, okay, if Howard Cross is sliding outside, then your linebacker becomes the A gap player. Like that's how that works, right? Like you need to keep a player in a gap. Who is that on? Is that on? Because we see this all the time in football where the linebacker comes up to the defensive lineman and slaps his butt like, get over here. You're supposed to be in this gap. Is that on the linebacker or is that on that defensive lineman? Well, it could be – it could be – the answer is yes. It could be a defensive lineman. It could be a linebacker miscommunication. It could be a coaching mistake. Like it could be. It could be something where Al Golden called a a, – a slant up front, but then he had the linebackers in the wrong position as far as against the formation. Like it could be a coaching mistake. It could be a player mistake. I don't know what it is on that play, but it was, it was not great, man. And I think it kept happening. Like Brian, Brian even commented on me is like, I felt like the a gaps were just open all game, man. And it was like, yeah, I I think that there was a lot of gap gap on sound. I mean, Kalen LeBourne had a game, man. When he had 160 yards, like he had a game. And yeah, it should not now, have happened with, like that. With with our linebackers, this is something that I, someone put up a steel shot. Yeah, and it actually wasn't from the Notre Dame game, but it made me think about Notre Dame. It was a steel shot of linebackers and the defensive line um, alignment from behind, and they were like, "Yo, with these linebackers, you're asking them to cover a lot of space uh-huh. based upon the way the defensive line is set up." When you don't have linebackers with a lot of range, like, does that matter with your defensive line? Like, does your defensive line have to be aware, like, yo, we really can't 
have a lot of space in between us because mm-hmm. now we're really opening up our linebackers to the offensive line so they can get up to the second level and impact them. I mean, linebackers have to yeah. do a better job of attacking the blocks and sure. getting off blocks. That's without question. Well, th- this is this is this is the potential of being in a in a one gap defense, Sean. Right. Yeah. So, like for the listeners out there, because I know you know this, but like when you're in a one gap defense, a defense it's usually for an undersized defensive line, which Notre Dame has. Right. They're using their speed as a penetration style, and so like instead of a two gap system, where like if you saw Jordan Davis at Georgia last year. He's going to play straight down the center and he's going to have an A gap and, an, and two A gaps, right? So he's playing down the middle and then he could collapse to either side depending on where the ball goes. In Notre Dame system, they have Howard Cross as a nose tackle. I actually played thought pretty, pretty well for the most part on yeah, Saturday. But so he is a one gap player. So he's responsible for one A gap, one yeah. B gap, whatever gap he's in, right? So the, 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 Frustrating thing for a linebacker at times is when you have a Jordan Davis who's taking up blocks and has two different gaps, linebackers have a lot more room to run, right? They have a lot more freedom. When you're in a one-gap system, you have to be gapped sound for one, but then also two is it's easier for Howard Cross to get washed into a gap and then you're left on kind of an island, right? And and when that leaves, sometimes offensive linemen are uncovered. And they can get up to the second level and they can get on you a lot quicker than anticipated. That's why in Kobe Dean last year was so good for Georgia because yeah. he had time to filter. Like he didn't have to worry about taking on a block two to three yards downhill. Like he was able to kind of eye his time and you have Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt in front of you. And you weren't getting up to the second level against that type of team in a right. one gap system. It's a lot easier to get up to the second level. So to your point, Notre Dame is with how their linebackers are right now with this one gap system. They have to be quicker processors. They have to get downhill quick. Like they have to. And I think that the linebackers have been very inconsistent right now. They've been very inconsistent. So yeah. Didn't think, I didn't think that I didn't think that JD Bertrand played particularly well. And I think that, I think that Maris is just, it's moving a tick too slow with this system right now. I just think it's, he has to be quicker. Has to be quicker. So we'll see. All right. I uh, wanted to answer this one. And TJ, thanks again. That sparked a great conversation. Appreciate the question. I wanted to ask this one because I saw that it's been asked a bunch in the chat. I wanted to make sure I got it. So from R. Riley, discuss where the offense should go. They should get a scheme like Peterson ran at Boise State and Washington shifting two, three, four times before huts or maybe a Baylor wide zone. Need to model Peterson Chip Kelly's scheme. I don't think you have to go there, Sean. I mean, like, I don't look, I'm all for pre-snap movement. I love trading. I love motioning. I, I, I love it. Right. Like I I'm good with that part. Right. Uh, or Riley. I don't think that you have to completely change your offensive identity. I just think that you need to understand what your identity is. Like, I think Tommy Reese wants to be a pro style spread system. That's fine. It, he has the, he has the players that can do that. It's just, we have to figure out how to best use our football players in that scheme. I don't think you've seen Notre Dame in the in their scheme running the way that they want to run it. So I don't think you have to like go drastic and say like, oh, we, we got to run a we got to be a pure wide zone scheme. We got to be this, got to be that. Right. I think you can be the team that you want to be. It's just you got to get better at it. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, right? Like that's. But I am for all for pre snap motion and trading. I love that stuff, Sean. I mean, as a defensive guy movement messes i mean the whole thing with like 
pre-snap motion or trading or like the cross cross movements after the snap, like bringing a guy across the formation that is to, to mess with linebackers eyes. I played linebacker, right? Like you want to manipulate their eyes and get them going in the wrong direction. That's I love that type of misdirection. So I'm all for that, but I don't think that they have to necessarily fit into a different type of scheme. I think they could be in the scheme that they want to be in and just run it a little differently. I think. Yeah. Uh, I watched the great Micah Parsons last night who played an incredible game on a third and two literally miss stopping the running back on the jet sweep because he took a half. I'm talking about a half step to the right. It was just, it was a hat. Like he recognized it like mid step, like, Oh no. And took off and was fast enough to get there. But because of that half step, the guy coming around for the jet sweep was able to get the first down. And that's what you're talking about as a linebacker. Like that's all you're looking for as an offense. Just, just enough misdirection to give you just that half step or step to be able to get outside and beat the leverage. So yep. I'm all for it. You know, scheme, like, to me, scheme is behind identity, like you said. Like, because you can actually mesh schemes into an identity mm-hmm. that you want. Like, you can borrow from Peterson. Heck, you can borrow from Lou Holtz back in 88. Like, you can borrow different things from schemes and mesh it into your own identity and scheme. So I don't think it's so much as far as is emulating as it is, you know, having an identity and knowing who you are from a personnel standpoint and then bringing the toughness out of that. Like you don't have to be 350 across the board along the offensive line to be a physically tough team. You can be tough and run the ball. Yep. After different sets, different formations, different looks, different movements. You know, it's about a mentality and an identity. And, you know, like you said, Notre Dame defensively, small in the middle. But guess what? They still have the ability, if they're in the right scheme and the right gaps, to stop the run. They can do it without having two guys that are 315 at defensive tackle that are like all world five stars. You don't have that. But we can still do it. And they just have to find, you know, work out the kinks and get back to fundamentals. And part of the fundamentals are being in the right place. How about that? (laughs) Pre-snap. How about we're lined up in the right space? Yep, yep. Well, I want to get through a couple more of these, Sean, and then we'll get out of here. A lot of great questions. We could probably stay here for about six hours. Probably could. Brian would probably stay here for six hours. We're talking now. The stuff we're talking now, Brian definitely wants to jump in on. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure he does. I'm sure he does. I'm sure he does. And I I would welcome it. But we had a question from Irish blooded Ryan get to eat anywhere good in town. Did you see the trumpets under the dome? So I did not see trumpets under the dome. We got there a little bit later than I originally anticipated, but they get to the Irish breakdown tailgates, which again, everybody out there that I was able to meet was a fantastic time. Sean, I wish you could have been there, but for the next time for sure, we'll make that happen. So First night, came in on a Friday morning. I stayed in Chicago the first day. We, I was talking to Sean. We, I went to the Cub game on Friday, 
After the Cubs, I went down to Lou. Uh, how do you pronounce the last name again? Lou Malnati's. Lou Malnati's. So we walked all the way down to Lou Malnati's. Got a got a deep dish sausage with some spinach, basil, all the good stuff. Man, it was delicious. Then we walked down, hit up a couple bars. There was also a, a nice little arcade in there that, that was like a brewery too. You got some drinks in there, yeah. which was pretty nice. And then the next day we drove up to the tailgates and we didn't stay too long in South Bend, Sean. So like, I just went to the, is it the tap room that's right by South Bend, yeah. right? Like right in there. Yeah. So we went to the tap room for dinner and a couple drinks. And then we drove back into Chicago for that last night again. So yeah. was not able to see trumpets, but uh tap room was pretty good. I had good food in there. It was good, good drinks. So I was happy with it. I was happy with it. Yeah. A lot of the recruits go to uh, tap room. Mm. Yeah, for dinner. It was good, man. It was good. Yeah. I liked it. There was there was a lot of Marshall fans in there, which was yeah. I'm sure was, yeah. you wanted to uh, you wanted to become someone else and just literally bop them in the head. I know. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It was. Uh, yeah, I understand, but you it had was something, to- man. It was something. It was something. They probably were a little inebriated and over the top by the. <laughs> <laughs> yep, sure were. <laughs> I think this is the last one we're going to get to, Sean. And I apologize if we didn't get to your question, but I uh, wanted to hit this last one. For the mailbag, how was that crowd? Heard too many cheers for Marshall on the broadcast. So, Kyle, from my perspective, I mean, I thought it was a good crowd for the most part. I'm being honest. Like, it was a sellout crowd. Mm-hmm. I thought Notre Dame was pretty engaged. Um, Notre Dame fans were engaged, in my opinion. The thing that was disheartening, I guess, was when – Marshall really started to gain the momentum at the end of the fourth quarter. And you knew it was kind of going that way. There was definitely a, there was a more, there was a bigger Marshall crowd than I originally anticipated. I don't think it was a problem though. I think Notre Dame did a good job, not letting it get overtaken with Marshall. Right. But you started hearing the, we are chance at the end. And it was, uh, it wasn't great, but they were respectful people, the Marshall fans, and they got to see a victory. So good for them, I guess. So, that is going to do it, though, Sean, for our mailbag. We appreciate everyone, all the great questions. Before we get out of here, if you could please like, share, subscribe to this podcast. Give us a five-star review. We would really genuinely appreciate it if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, especially Apple. You know, they do make it really easy to give to give great, uh, great reviews on there. So this is the Notre Dame Recruiting Hour. We will be back 6 o'clock tonight. Sean Styers, I believe, is back tonight. If not, I think Vince will be in. But there will be IB Nation Sports Talk where they'll talk a lot about Marcus Freeman's press conference today, the injury to Tyler Buckner, all that good stuff. So make sure to tune in. That's 6 o'clock Eastern time tonight. We, Me and Brian will be back tomorrow as we kind of give our closing thoughts to this past weekend's game and start getting you ready for the Cal Golden Bear. So from Sean Davis, I am Ryan Roberts. Thank you all for joining the Irish Breakdown Podcast for the Notre Dame Recruiting Hour.
It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.